Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to the Modern Cotton Story, sponsored by E3 Sustainable Cotton. I'm Jennifer Crumpler, Fiber Development Manager and Manager of the E3 Sustainable Cotton Program from BASF and host of today's program. Um, today, we're really excited because we're going to kick off a new series of our podcast that we call Teaching Sustainability. Um, and, you know, if many of our listeners like me probably have gotten out of school a while ago, so you're, you're probably wondering, like, oh, goodness, we're not going to have lectures and professors and so you don't have to worry about that but we're really just excited because we've been able to pull together a wide, very wide range of professors from higher education universities um, who are really focused in teaching you know today's students both that undergraduate and graduate level about sustainability and transparency in that textile supply chain um, so our listeners you guys know we have done a lot of different series, had a lot of different guests on, um, and we're really excited to be able to introduce those educators representing, you know, various parts and segments of that supply chain, everywhere from agriculture to textile, apparel, and fashion, um, all the different ones that touch it. So excited about that. I'm also, um, again, joined by industry consultant and a good friend of ours, um, Bob Anishak. So Bob, how are things going for you today? Jennifer, they're going very well. Thanks for asking. All right. Awesome. Well, um, I am excited and pleased to introduce today's guest, Dr. Charles Freeman. Um, he's an associate profess professor of fashion design and merchandising at School of Human Sciences at Mississippi State University. Um, Dr. Charles and I were chatting a little bit before because some of you guys may know I'm a big NC State fan, graduated from NC State. So um, after everything that happened with baseball, we pulled for Mississippi State. So really excited to have him on today. And He's also the school's director of the Center for Retail and Cotton Development. So, Dr. Charles, thanks so much for being here today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Jennifer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I know you've taught at Mississippi State now for a number of years and really had um, an accomplished career in academia. And you also run a program focused on fashion design and merchandising. Um, but you've also, you know, really interesting for those of us in the ag space to know, you know, you've done this, accomplished all this at a university that's really more popularly known for its agriculture studies, especially around cotton. Um, you know, our listeners know we recently had uh, another professor from Mississippi State on um, Dr. O.A. Cleveland. So, you know, really excited to see really this connection at the university and and how you guys are really kind of bringing the whole space together. And um, I know in recent years, you've also taken a you know keen interest in sustainability. And But before we jump into all that and kind of dig deep into some of those sectors, I'd really, um, you know, love if you would talk a little bit about your background and the fashion program offered at Mississippi State so that our listeners can learn a little bit more about it. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you very much for having me. Um, and, you know, I started at Mississippi State uh, approximately 10 years ago in fashion design and merchandising. I came from Florida State and Louisiana State, where I received my bachelor's and my Ph.D. And, you know, when I got to Mississippi State, one of the things that really uh, struck me was was how important cotton was to to not only um, the state, but but to, to the people and to a lot of our stakeholders. And um, I, I took a very keen interest. And I, of course, I was familiar with cotton fiber just from my, my previous um, graduate work and studies, but I never really had seen cotton and how the, the really in-depth role that it plays within the complete supply chain. And so I always knew cotton as just a fantastic fiber. My shirts were made of it. I really liked working with it and using it as a, as a design professor. Um, but I didn't really get fully integrated into the agricultural part of it until I got into Mississippi. And uh, one of the things that really has attracted and, and essentially kept me at Mississippi State studying and doing what we're doing is how important cotton is to the people. 
the people who grow it, the people who are supported by those who are growing it, um, all of our producers, our Jenners, um, and, and being able to connect what our students are doing in the classroom. And that's really what we try is what, what they're learning on the classroom on the back end. We try to connect it back all the way to the, the farmers and the people in their communities and the people that they knew growing up who may have grown cotton or better been affiliated with it in some form. And um, to have that direct connection um, has really been inspiring for me and has really given uh, a lot of times we're asked, what's, what's the why behind what you do? Um, mm-hmm. And that's, that's my why. I mean, that is the, the, the people of our state and the people in the region and the, the people like Bob and people I've been able to meet not only in Mississippi, but Arkansas, Alabama, Louisiana, Texas, Alabama, that are doing the same things. And so um, that's really kind of my background and where we got to uh, where we're at today with the program. Yeah, and that's awesome. Um, I love to hear you chat, and I think that you you hit it the nail right on the head, in my opinion, because a lot of times I get asked, you know, what I do for a living and why, and you know, I can hear the pa- the passion you have because that's what I have, and it's amazing the people that are connected to cotton, you know, whether it is the farming or whether it, you know, downstream, whatever it is. There's a lot of passion around um, cotton and around the fiber and just everything that goes into it, and you know, the role that it plays. So that was that's exciting to hear. Um, you know that that passion kind of goes all the way through and that's what you are teaching especially at the university level mm-hmm. yeah so we we do a lot to try to keep our uh we, we bring our students to the cotton farms we, we want to see them during the planting all the way through the harvesting uh the ginning operations uh we have a lot of classes that are centered around product development and looking at the utilization of cotton and why why this is a preferred fiber for our program um it, it works extremely well with our program and the types of students we have. Um, and so we have really been able to build an entire curriculum focusing on uh, what cotton has done in the industry, what it's done for the industry and in the future of, of cotton and what it's going to be going forward for these students who are entering the industry. Charles, that leads me to, to the question really uh, with all of your experience that you've had now at, at uh, Mississippi state and with the uh, program and all, um, what do you think of the greatest challenges that will be faced by students trying to get into the uh, textile, apparel, and retail industries? I, I think the biggest challenge um, is really not necessarily faced by the students. I think it's faced by the industry because especially with what we've seen over the past uh, 12 to 18 months, um, and you know, everybody talks pre-pandemic or pre-COVID as, as this time before and then this time after of existence, uh, but, you know, things have changed. And I, I don't think that it was because of the pandemic, but I think that it exposed a lot of the underlying issues that were in the apparel industry, whether it was sustainability, whether it was social rights, whether it was um, how, you know, how the industry even operated and how, you know, maybe sometimes overburdened the supply chain was from a waste perspective. And I think that, that the pandemic has exposed a lot of that that was previously hidden. And the industry is going to change. I think now it is, it's the writing is on the wall that it is going to change. And I think the biggest challenge for students coming out is that they have, we have traditionally taught about what the industry is um, and not what it could be necessarily. And I think students coming out have this understanding of what the industry was and really the future of what the industry is going to be is that they're going to be writing that and they're going to be determining what that is. So I think that's going to be a big challenge for them to know that the responsibility is on their shoulders to, to decide what the future of the textile and apparel industry is going to be, you know, whether it's 
small manufacturing, whether it's localized, regional uh, manufacturing and shipping, small fashion, um, or whether we continue on to large conglomerates with fast fashion and high waste and production and everything else. And one of the things, Charles, I was impressed about about your program was the size of it. Uh, had no idea originally when, <laughs> when I first met. Uh, I think you had invited me down to do a do a talk, and I mm-hmm. was floored to find that there were there were hundreds of students uh, affiliated with the program. Is that still the case? That, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, how, what what's your enrollment in the program about? Uh, we are, uh, I think, after this fall, we're going to be pushing 170. Okay. Um, we had a big graduating class. Um, and then we have around 10 to 12 in our, our gra- uh, graduate program. We started a master's program um, as well within the past few years. So we have a lot of interest in the program. Um, we were taking in students. I, you know, we, we've probably grown almost 100% just even in the past five to six years in student growth and interest in this area. So it is a definitely um, a hot topic. Um, and students want to make a difference. And they see they can make a difference in this industry. And that's what I think is really attracting them to it. And most of the students come from the the area around Mississippi uh, or southeast, or is it students from all over? Yeah, we predominantly um, our student body is from Mississippi, and so we are a we're a state university, uh, we're a land grant university, and so we do provide a lot of uh, services and education to the to people of Mississippi. And we, I would I would guess probably seventy five to eighty percent of our student body is is from the state within our program. Um, and then we do get a lot of students from uh, Memphis, Nashville, uh, Birmingham, um, some from Atlanta. And so we do have a little bit of a regional presence as well, pulling in from those states. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and so do you, um, you know, Charles, with your you, the school there, are you guys um, affiliated with the Ag College or is that a separate um, from where you got where your program sits? No, we are definitely in the College of Agriculture and okay. Life Sciences. Um, and, you know, a lot of people ask me, the biggest question I get asked is, well, why is fashion in ag? It has mm-hmm. nothing to do with ag. Uh, but when you really think about the fashion industry, whether it is cotton, wool, even our synthetic fibers, our, our, our rayons and, and some of our cellulosic acetates that are coming from wood pulp, almost every product in the fashion industry that we're selling today comes from an agricultural primary source, whether it is, whether it's a leather, whether it's a bamboo, whether it's a wood pulp, um, all of those are coming from some type of, of plant or natural production. And uh, you could even argue that, you know, oil is being harvested just to make, you know, polyester. So uh, we all pull from a natural resource um, in our industry. And so I think our our connection to ag is much stronger uh, than people initially realize. Yeah, and, and I love that because I couldn't agree more, I think, um, and, I, and I love that it sits in the ag school and that it's connected. And, you know, along those lines, um, I know we all talk about sustainability and that word's kind of, I say a buzzword, but it's been put out there and there's a lot of, you know, definitions, a lot of meanings, depending on who you talk to. Um, and, you know, be really interested to know when you're with the program, you know, how do you guys define sustainability and really how do you teach that concept to the students in the program? Um and are there any specific or any, you know, particular metrics that you stress when discussing the function of that, um, you know, the industry supply chain around sustainability, you know, really be interested in how you really address that within the program? Yeah, it's, um, 
sustainability is one of those, I guess it's now been termed a, a buzzword. Um, we have a lot of students who come in and say, well, I'm, I'm really interested in sustainability. And the first question we ask, okay, well, which part? Because yeah. <laughs> um, that's you know, really well put. That's really well put. Yeah. Right. There's it. Um, you know, I, I was talking with a, a colleague in our human development family studies program, and she said, you know, we face the same problem with we have students who come in and they just want to study divorce. And it's like, well, you know, divorce is kind of a big subject, and so is sustainability. <laughs> and I mean, mm -hmm. we have whether it is from the primary sources, from our agricultural sustainability, whether it's in the yarn manufacturing, whether it's in our shipping procedures, our selling procedures. You know, the, the, the trick with sustainability that we really try to illustrate to students is that every person along the supply chain can do their part, and it only takes one to mess the whole thing up. And so if you are, um, you know, in some of our research and work we've done with our cotton farmers and supply chain partners is, you know, they, they say, you know, we're, we're trying our best in the fields to grow the best cotton, the most sustainably produced cotton, we're, we're limiting our irrigation. We're, we're creating bee colonies on our farms. We're doing all these fantastic things. We're doing everything right. And then we send it to a yarn manufacturer and they produce it sustainably and they manage their uh, energy consumption. And then you take that same fabric once it's produced and you send it over to a, a, a dye house in, in, a, in Southeast Asia or any of these places where they're not doing it right. And they're mm -hmm. not making those. Everything you've done before is gone. Every every carbon credit, every step forward that you made, you just end up taking two steps back when you put the heavy metals and the, the, the toxic dyes to just to make it red. And then you dump all that into a water system. And so I think that, unfortunately, what we see, especially with cotton, um, is that those bad players a little bit further down the supply chain, um, those are the ones who are giving everybody before them a bad rap. And everybody gets blamed before them for the work that they're doing. Um, and we, we have to fix that. And so when we talk about teaching sustainability, we really illustrate to our students, here's each person's role. Here's each of their responsibilities. And no matter what role you decide to play in the industry, you need to do the best you can. And you need to leave it better than the person gave it to you uh, who was before you. And you need to give it to the person after you that was in a much better shape than it was. Um, and I think once students start to see and realize that, that they really start to grasp the importance and what true sustainability means. It's not just organic cotton or it's not just a green you know, fiber or a, mm -hmm. a socially responsible. So, yeah. And I think I, I love what you said, though. It's, um, you know, make the product better and, you know, have it better for the person after you. And I think that brings up a really key important pillar in sustainability, um, you know, and the environmental pieces and the data and the metrics, um, you know, E3, we measure a lot of that. But, you know, there is a really, really key point of, you know, pillar in that, and that's the people. And I think that, you know, when you hit on it, exactly, you know, um, and I'm excited to see that, that, you know, that's what you guys are teaching in the program and that the students um, coming in, that's what they want to learn and what they're grasping is that, you know, that people pillar of it or in that people in the sense of leaving it better for that next generation or, or whatever that sustainability looks like, um, you know, the next person's supply chain. So I, I think that's a really, really important key piece of sustainability that sometimes gets forgotten. Um, and so it's exciting to see that, you know, there is that interest there moving forward um, for that. Absolutely. You know, one of the one of the most interesting stories we've had come out of our program is we were we, we decided we were going to put a lot of supply chain partners into a conference room in Atlanta 
Um, and I brought a couple of cotton farms with me and we had people from yarn manufacturers all the way to dye houses, to retailers, um, to salvage uh, resellers. And we put them all in these rooms, about 25 of them. And we just made them talk to each other for three straight days and just tell stories about the industry. Um, and the, the farmers really, it really hit them hard. Um, they, they even pulled me aside and they were like, Charles, this is, this is something that's affecting us emotionally because we have built our livelihood and our, our family history and our namesake on growing cotton the best that we can. And when we hear these stories about what is done beyond us, why are we even trying? And I'm like, yeah. you have to try, you have to try because you have to be the change in the world. Um, and so I think that that's important for all of us within the industry and supply chain to understand um, that it's not just one of our responsibility. And it's also not just, well, it doesn't really matter because if, you know, if I do something nice, somebody else behind me is going to mess it up. So I think it's important um, to know that you got to do the right thing and just keep pushing forward with it. Yeah. And I love to hear um, that, that you guys did that. Cause I think that's the one thing I found, um, you know, our listeners will know who've listened to the episodes before I've spent, you know, 20 years of my career in the ag industry. And it's really been on the input side, working with the farmers, um, you know, really helping them finding the best solution to, you know, what they're doing to help them have a higher yield, you know, with less land or less input, less cost. And over the past year and a half, I'm working kind of in the downstream space, as you were saying, it's been a whole new concept because um, I think that so many times wherever you sit in the supply chain. So if you're, the farmer, or if you're, you know, an input person, or if you're, you know, at the gin, or if you're the spinner, you forget what's happened before you, you forget what's happened after you, we kind of get in this silo. Um, and that's been the most amazing thing to me, because we've held a couple of events on our farm to fashion and a couple of things where we've done similar things. And it's amazing to hear, even if nothing else, just to hear the wording and vocabulary and the way that everybody talks about cotton different. Everybody, you know, it's the same bale of cotton that we look at as an input provider of the seed that goes into it. The other input, the farmer's looking at it different. The Jenner's looking at it, you know, and how he sees that bale of cotton and those aspects of it. And so I think it's really amazing, you know, bringing some of that, uh, getting people out of the silos to have those conversations. So I love that idea. Absolutely. We have to increase transparency in the supply chain. If, if we don't, we have uh, we have built a culture. Uh, in our industry of taking, you know, we, we buy it for as low as possible and we sell it for as high as possible. Um, and if you look at the industries that are really advancing now in the world, especially in the global landscape, that the ones who are being transparent are the ones who are advancing their fields and industries leaps and bounds beyond what the textile and apparel industry is. I mean, we are, we're still operating an industry the way that we did in the sixties and seventies. And, um, to me, that that's unacceptable, and we have to change that. And I think we can do that through starting out with some transparency across the supply chain partners. There's no reason why we can't all win. I have to I have to stop wearing my double knit polyester suits. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's part of the answer. But uh, Charles, Charles, you have the unique uh, advantage of having uh, a lot of a lot of your students come from the from agricultural families, and uh, as I recall. And mm -hmm. so because of that, you were able to actually draw the connection between agriculture and finished garments or textiles. Um, one of the things I've noticed uh, with graduates of schools from elsewhere, say from urban environments, is that they may talk a great game about sustainability and cotton and all this, yet they've never even been in a cotton field. And I find that, and I think Jennifer can share that, that, <laughs> yeah. that frustration as well. 
Um, yeah. We see yeah, this nothing's time and better. Again. Um, yeah, Charles, nothing's better when you have, you know, someone educating you and your growers about what's sustainable and they've never seen a cotton plant. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, that was one know, of uh, my eye-opening moments. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, and, and a lot of the trade, to your point, a lot of the trade, you know, has been brought up in a very, I mean, in a lot of ways, an opaque kind of supply chain intentionally. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how they've made their money. And at Today, though, it seems like uh, uh, younger uh, consumers are looking for a more transparent, uh, uh, you know, again, people can define sustainability in different ways, but they want to understand for sure where the products come from and how they're grown. That's really, really kind of central. And one of the things that I was always intrigued by your program was that you had that ability of being able to say, okay, here, we can we can show you the fields, we can show you the farm. And also a lot of the students had the experience coming off literally off the farms where they grew up and where they worked and so on to actually get involved with uh, uh, showing interest in getting into the fashion world, but bring with it a, a supply chain knowledge that right out, which was really, I found really kind of unique for, for, uh, for a lot of these types of programs, because they usually just start like halfway up the supply chain. You're actually start, starting from the very beginning and working your way up. So uh, I think that's a cool aspect of your program. Thank you very much. Yeah, and it's it's something that for us um, it, it works. And I know that not all programs are going to be the same, and not all programs should be. Um, but for us, because of our location, because of the student that we have, and because this is where we feel when we really look at it, this is where we can make an impact. And what we're finding with the new students who are coming in, and this is I, I think going to be a critical point for people to understand, is that. You know, we hear a lot of complaints about whether you want to call them Gen Z millennials or I'm not even sure what the new term is, zillennials maybe, but it's not that they're, it's not that they're a bad student anymore, but what they are is that they know what they want. They know what they want to do and they want to do things better than they were done before. And they're not going to take no for an answer. And they're not going to say, yes, I understand that's how it's always been done, but what if we didn't do it that way anymore? And what if we just did it flat out differently? And that's what you're seeing with these students nowadays is they are going to do it differently. And you can either get on board with that and you can, or they're going to go on their own and they're going to break out and, and they're going to upset a lot of people's apple carts um, when it comes to that. And so I think, and that's a, it's an inspiring uh, group of people to be around. Um, it's challenging at times because I like, well, you know, this is the way that I did it when I was in school. This <laughs> yeah. is how I used to do it. This is how I was taught. And they, you know, will question say, well, what, what if we didn't teach the way that you were taught? What if we, what, what if you taught it differently? And so uh, sometimes that can be fun. Sometimes it can be frustrating, no doubt, but um, they, they are going to change the world. I mean, they are going to make things different. And the, the people who are the, the industry, uh, I hate using the term old guard, but the, the, the vet, veterans of the industry, uh, they need to provide that wisdom and knowledge to help support these young people in making that transition and that that uh, turning of the, the torch, if you will. Yeah, and I think, um, and and I love to hear you say that because I think a lot of times, um, especially with our with our E three program, with you know some of it, we've um, met some of that. We you know met some of that challenge of this is the way we've always done it, and you know, and it's been that well, well why that doesn't mean that's the way we have to do it going forward. Um, and and I think that that's exciting for me. To hear that that's what is you know those entering into the industry whatever you know department they're coming from 
I love hearing that, that there, you know, that challenge there, you know, and Hey, you know, and seeing more, um, a lot of times we talk about, you know, there was a big movement a few years ago, the farm to table movement. And now it's almost that is moving into the, the fiber and apparel space or home goods space. And I think that that's exciting to see that and to see, um, you know, some of that questioning and some of that happening. Um, so a question I have though, for you, I know we kind of mentioned, um, you know, the event that you guys had in Atlanta where you brought everyone in, but do you have any other kind of new initiatives at the school um, or other things that you, know, you could tell us about that further kind of reinforces that approach to teaching that sustainable practices um, to students um, and, you know, really looking at how, you know, when you're looking at it, because as we said, a lot of the fibers that we talk about really kind of start from the ag space, you know, how do you really learn or, or teach your students on how to portray synthetic fibers um, versus cotton, because um, I think that's always something that that we, you know, face in the industry, and those of us from the ag side understand um, coming into it, but really, you know, be interested on that side of it, how you guys um, kind of approach that topic. You know, for me, um, and, you know, you, you mentioned the farm to table and that kind of concept moving into fashion, and, you know, I, I really look at and teach uh, synthetic fibers as kind of like food, um, and, you know, for me, uh, a good old po- 100% polyester is kind of like a, a nice greasy bacon double cheeseburger with large fries <laughs> and a big old Coke to go with it. Like, That's really good. <laughs> you know what? It is sometimes it's exactly what I need and it is good and I love it and I enjoy it. And that that fast fashion purchase that is cheap, it's made from and it's going to sit in the landfill for the sometimes it just makes me feel good to buy something like that. And I just I just want it right then. But overall and you know i can't shop at whole foods every single day either and you know shop and buy you know hand-picked you know that's been nurtured and mm-hmm. the best possible beef possible you know out there i can't buy kobe beef every day uh, to eat but what i can do is i can make my best effort to buy natural products that are uh, raised in even a, a mass ag- agricultural system in a commercial agricultural system that's doing the right thing I mean, our, our commercial ag system is fantastic in the United States and they're doing the right things and they're doing right for consumers. And so I, that's what I need to be focusing on. I need to buy to try to buy as many products in that space as possible and which are my cottons and wools and linens. I, I tend to favor natural fibers. They just for me personally, they perform better. They feel better. Um, and every once in a while, I'll buy some some polyester or a cotton poly blend or some nylon. And that's OK. But if it's 100% of your wardrobe all the time and we're still buying, you know, thousands and thousands of pounds of synthetic fibers every year per consumer, and we're putting that into the landfill within 14 to 21 days, I think that is something that you can't do. That's that eating the bad food for you every single day. Eventually, you're going to have a heart attack and, and it's going to stop. And so um, that's really how we try to approach our students with it is that, Try to do your best with it. Make the best decisions possible when within the constraints that you have. Um, and every once in a while, you're going to have to make some concessions, but just find a really good balance and try to balance more on the side of the natural. Um, it's just better for the environment. It's better for your product and it's better for your consumer overall. Yeah, well, I think I could ask you a ton more questions and I'm going to have to see if I cannot um, figure out a way to get um, invited somehow to at least part of the um, class and the program to sit back and just watch and listen, because I, I, I mean, I, I love all this piece of it, but um, I know we're about out of time for today, but I really cannot thank you enough um, 
you, Dr. Freeman, for coming and joining us today. And um, if our listeners would like to find out more about your program and, you know, some of that, what is the best way for them to find out um, information? Uh, they can send me an email uh, directly. It is um, CF, as in Charles Freeman, 617. So CF 617 at MS State, S T A T E dot edu so that's two s's in there so msstate.edu and i will be more than happy to get back with them immediately uh, upon getting an email all right awesome well um i will try to respect your time and not send you too many emails because i'm sure i'll have some questions <laughs> with our listeners by all too. means i love talking about this stuff all day long bob knows that yes you do i love it i love it um well i'd also like to thank you our listeners for joining us and hope that you enjoyed our show should you have any questions about the e3 sustainable cotton program please email me at e3cotton at basf.com also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at E3 Sustainable Cotton. And also don't forget to follow us, um, our E3 Cotton Challenge, where, as we've talked about on the show today with Dr. Freeman, um, where we have challenged you, our consumers, to take and get that 100% cotton t-shirt and bury it in the ground and come back and, you know, check on it for a few months and see how, you know, the natural fibers compare to other synthetics um, and the choices that we make. So again, thanks so much and see you next time.